Hey there, and welcome back to the Mini Weekend. I'm your host, Jack. Let's crack a beer and get the ball rolling. Goldie's Locker Room Talk. Men's hockey, first up. Earlier this week, the Gophers hockey team swept the Michigan State Spartans to get to 6-0-0 on the season. And after the conclusion of last night's sweep... Against the Wolverines, they pushed their season-opening winning streak to an astounding eight games. After the last podcast on Thursday night, the Gophers beat the Spartans 3-1. to The Gophers jumped up to a quick 2 to nothing lead in the middle of the first period with two goals in the span of 96 seconds. Sophomore Ben Myers got the scoring started for the Gophers with a power play goal little over seven minutes into the game, and not long after that, Sampo Ranta extended the lead to 2 to nothing. That lead would stand as the two teams would head into the first intermission. And in the second period, the Gophers wouldn't let up as Scott Reedy got the job done on yet another power play, little over four minutes into that second frame, to make it a 3-0 to zero game. Unfortunately, Michigan State would spoil Jack LaFontaine's second shutout attempt of the year with scoring a little under four minutes in the game to make it the final 3-1 to one score. The very next night, though, the Gophers started the game with another 2-0 lead. Ben Myers would get the storing started again for a second straight game for the Gophers just over five minutes into the game this time. More than 10 minutes later, sophomore Jackson Nelson would score his first of the season giving the Gophers a that 2 to nothing lead. But Michigan State didn't go away. Michigan State's Kyle Haskins would score a little over a minute later, and with just under four minutes into the second period, Spartans' Dennis Cessna got Michigan back to a 2-2 two to two tie. However, the Gophers would get yet another power play goal against this Spartans team with little under six minutes in the game from Scott Reedy, proving to be the eventual game-winning goal. And then with 11 secs in the seconds left in the game, Sample Ranta put home an empty net insurance goal, making it the 4-2 final score. In that series, the Gophers were led by Scott Reedy, who had a total of four points off of two goals and two assists in the series. And then just a couple nights later, the Gophers headed over to the University of Michigan Wolverines to get that series started with them. In in that series, they were straight up just the better team as they outscored the Wolverines 7-1 in the series. The first game saw Sampo Ranta, Bryce Brodzinski, and Ben Myers all scoring and they also went one for four on the power play as well. And per usual, Jack Fontaine played a great game, stopping 33 of 34 uh, Wolverine shots. Then, just last night, the Gophers picked up where they left off in the first game, getting yet another four-goal game as a team from four different goal scorers. Scott Reedy and Sammy Walker scored in the first taking another 2-0 lead into the first intermission. And then Jackson Nelson and Mike Kester scored in the second period to round out the scoring for the game. And in the second game, goalie Jack LaFontaine saw another 34 shots. But this time, 
he stopped all four of them, four, 34 of them, sorry, for his second shutout of the year. So for me, I think the most important part of this 8-0-0 start to the season for them isn't that it's the best start of the season since their 1987-1988 season, but the most impressive part to me is the fact that they have yet to trail at any point in any game yet this season. To me, that shows me more about how they're focusing on the defensive side of things in the game and turning that success into offense. More often than not, regardless of sport, uh, sport good teams that typically are very good and that win championships are teams that focus in on that and they get into a groove of that from the get-go. So great to see them starting off like this. Now for the men's team, that will actually close out the first half of the season for them. Right now they currently don't have any other games on their schedule and I would imagine there wouldn't be any until after the new year. But we will keep you updated so Keep an eye on our Twitter page, and we will let you know when more games get added to the schedule. Unfortunately for the women's hockey team, nothing doing this last week. They were supposed to play host to the Wisconsin Badgers back on Friday the 4th and Saturday the 5th. But unfortunately, earlier in the day on that Friday, it was announced the border battle would be postponed after positive COVID-19 tests were found on the Badgers team. The article went on to say, as of now, there is no makeup date yet, but it plans on rescheduling for some time in the second half of the season schedule. And if that wasn't bad enough for the poor girls team, they were also supposed to travel to Columbus, Ohio to take on the Buckeyes tomorrow night and this upcoming Saturday afternoon. But earlier this last week, it was also announced that those two games were postponed as well. This time it was due to the Buckeyes being unable to meet the minimum number of players required to compete outlined in the WCHA's return to competition protocols. So similar to the Badgers series, there is no makeup date right now, but they have stated they are planning to make up this series as well in the second half of the season, which they said should resume as early as January 1st. However, in spite of all this, there is some good news for the girls' team. With the cancellation of these four games, the women's team actually announced the morning of Saturday, November 5th, that they'll be adding a series with Mankato State. So the Gophers and the Mavericks will meet for a two-game series tonight in Mankato and tomorrow night in Minneapolis. Both games will be played at 6.10 Central Standard Time, and tonight's game can be streamed on Flow Hockey, and tomorrow night's can be streamed on the Big Ten Network Plus. Now on to the men's basketball team. Very similar to the men's hockey team, the men's hoop team still have yet to lose their first game of the season as they currently sit at 5-0 on the season. Back on Friday the 4th, the men's basketball team took care of the North Dakota Fighting Hawks by a score of 76-67. to But earlier in this week, they beat the Boston College Eagles as part of the ACC Big Ten Challenge, 85-88 in overtime. Back on Friday the 4th against the Fighting Hawks, the game was a bit back and forth throughout as the Gophers only took a one-point lead into halftime, but led by their star Marcus Carr, 
They pulled away late in the game to secure their fourth win of the year. However, in this game, it was Junior Both Gatch who would lead the way with a team-high 21 points and 9 rebounds to go with 3 assists. He had a tremendous game. Marcus Carr would also finish that game against the Fighting Hawks with 17 points and 9 assists. However, 4 nights later... Carr would go off, scoring another team-high 22 points to help the Gophers overcome a 15-point deficit in the second half. You heard that right. The Gophers' men's basketball team were down by as many as 15 points in the second half, and they came back and won the game. The Boston College Eagles would actually take a one-point lead going into halftime, but only five, six minutes into the second half, they were up by as many as 15, like I mentioned. After that, I don't know what it was, but you could just tell both Marcus Carr and Both Gatch took it upon themselves and said, hey, we're going to turn this stuff around, which is nice to see. A lot of teams in the past, they, you know, they're great teams, but it's tough to come back from 15-point deficits, so... Like I said, both Carr and Gash led the Gophers back to their comeback victory for win number five on the year. So congratulations to them on their, excuse me, on their 5-0 start. Excuse me. Uh, right now, Marcus Carr is leading the team with 25.6 points per game and six assists per game. And both... Or sorry, assists per game. And then Liam Robbins is leading the way in rebounds for the team with 7.4 per game. And Bothgatch is actually leading the team shooting 54 from the 54% from the field with, with at least 15 attempts. So for the Minnesota men's gopher basketball team, upcoming this next week, they will take on the University of Missouri. Kansas City team tonight on FS1. And then Tuesday on the 5th, they will travel to Illinois to start, or not, sorry, not start, but to play their first Big Ten game of the season against the Illinois Fighting Illini. Right now, they are currently sixth in the nation. And that will wrap up the two games they have in the next week for them. Now for the women's team. For the women's team, unfortunately, they've gone on a little bit, excuse me, of a losing streak. Back on the 6th, like we mentioned, they hosted the Drake Bulldogs. Excuse me. They uh, hosted the Drake Bulldogs, and they um, the Drake Bulldogs just proved to be the better team. Throughout, the Bulldogs took a 33-17 lead after the first quarter. And after that, um, the, the Gophers just struggled to keep up. Um, they went up 33-17 after the first. And like I said, and then it just kind of went down from hill from the, there. For them, in this game, Minnesota was led by Jasmine Powell, who had a team-high 22 points. She had 7 rebounds and 7 assists to go with that. Gediva Hubbard finished with 17 points. 
three rebounds and three assists herself. And for double-digit point scorers, they were rounded out by Caddy Sisako, finished with 12 points and nine rebounds. So statistically, they didn't have a, a bad game. Um, Drake just got off to a fast, uh, fast start, and um, one you know went wire, wire to wire. Uh, you, you know, looking at a lot of this stuff, points in the paint uh, favored Drake 38 to 28. Points off of turnovers favored Drake 16 to six. Fast break points, Drake got out to a 26 to nine advantage in that department. And um, the one thing I will say is the Gophers did a better job on the offensive board if there's any silver lining in this. 20 second chance points to Drake's 13 um, points, but just just a tough game for them. The Drake Bulldogs are a good team, and they've always had a stellar men's and women's basketball program. Um, So just had to get over that move on to the next one. Um, for the women's team, a couple nights later, they got their Big Ten game, first Big Ten game under their belts as they hosted the Michigan State Spartans. And truthfully, once again, they they lost. It was a sixty. They lost sixty-eight to eighty-one. Michigan State got out to a hot twenty to eleven lead after the first, and after that, Minnesota didn't do a terrible job. Keeping, um, keeping up. Michigan State only went into halftime. Uh, only went into halftime up. What was that? Forty-eight to thirty-eight. So they kept pace with them in the second quarter, the third quarter, and the fourth quarter. That that first quarter just ended up being the big difference maker in this game for the Golden Gophers. Lindsey Whalen coached team uh, once again. Uh, Godiva Hubbard, Jasmine Powell, and Caddy Sisako led the way for the Gophers. Godiva Hubbard finished with 17. Jasmine Powell finished with 16 points. And Caddy Sisako finished with 10 points herself. So, like I said, once again, they, they weren't bad games, but, uh, you know, le- learning experiences. And truthfully, if you're... If you're Lindsey Whalen, you've got to be happy that some of these learning curves are coming earlier in the season versus later in the season. Um, but this is this is like we talked about in the last couple podcasts. This is kind of a younger team and a bit of a newer team, so I I think they're going to do some good things. They just got to shake it off and and go from there. Uh, right now, the women's team is actually being led by. Jasmine Powell, who through the first games is averaging 19.7 points per game. Clark Scoiners is actually leading the way for the team with averaging 7 rebounds a game. And, excuse me, uh, that Clark Scoiners is also leading the way for the team, shooting 56% from the field. Again, with that minimum 15 attempts from the field. So good good things coming. And um, this this team is obviously putting up the stats. They just got to you know clean it up a little bit. And they'll be good to go and well on their way. Only game for the Minnesota women's basketball team this upcoming week. They will have their first away game as they will travel to Evanston, Illinois to take on the Northwestern Wildcats. 
on Monday, December 14th. That will be broadcasted on the Big Ten Network for those that are interested. So with that, on to Gopher football. And we actually have something to talk about today with them. So for the Gophers football team, the game against the Nebraska Cornhuskers is still a go, which is awesome. The game between the Gophers and Nebraska is still set to kick off at 11 a.m. on Saturday the 12th. This will be the Gophers' first game in three weeks. The last Gophers game we talked about in the last game they played was when they hosted the Purdue Boilermakers back on November 20th. And they came away with a close 34-31 victory in that game. The Cornhuskers, however, are coming into this Saturday's game with a 2-4 record and are fresh off of their second win of the season as they beat the Boilermakers 37-27 last weekend. The Cornhuskers have been successful throwing the ball and rushing the ball this year as they're averaging about 192 yards through the air per game and 175 rushing yards per game. However, the rushing game for them has produced eight more touchdowns for them through their first six games of the season. Coming into this game, Nebraska will rely on junior quarterback Adrian Martin Tinez, who's thrown for 689 yards on the season with a completion percentage of 70 and thrown for two TDs as well. Nebraska also comes into this game having four rushers with at least 150 yards on the season. For the Gophers, we'll try to get a win on Saturday, putting them at 500 on the season and they hope to get big games from that from both running back Mohamed Ibrahim. They'll look to stud quarterback Tanner Morgan. And in this one, we will look for junior receiver Chris Ottman Belt to have a great game as we will be without Brashad Bateman as he stated back on November 25th that he is um, done with the season and started preparations for the 2021 NFL Draft. So... Good luck to him. Wish him nothing but the best. But the show must go on. RTB Skyuma go Gopes. Only new news for the Twins is the all MB, all MLB teams were released earlier today, and the Twins Nelson Cruz was named as the all MB all MLB's second team's designated hitter. And Minnesota's Kenta Maeda joined him as one of the starting pitchers on the All-MLB second team. So congratulations to him and Cruz as well. Very big accomplishments. And once again, baseball fans just getting uh, closer and closer to spring training and the season. Unfortunately, there is still no new news on our Minnesota Wild. But for you hockey fans out there, there is good news for the upcoming NHL season. So I know last week we talked about the talks going on about the CBA was probably what was holding up anybody confirming or making further plans for the upcoming season. And this last week I found out that that was indeed the case. As of 8 a.m. last Monday morning, the NHL and NHLPA have cleared their final financial hurdles 
firming up the new CBA and are pushing forward with planning talks for the 2020-2021 season. As of now, due to the talks extending longer than they thought, it sounds like they are now aiming at January 13th as the start date with either a 52 or 56 game schedule. The article I read earlier in the week stated the sides have communicated daily since Thursday and hope to finalize a plan by the end of the week. That plan, they said, will include temporary divisional realignment, schedule, and COVID-19 protocols. So with that, we will hopefully even know more as early as sometime tomorrow. So stay tuned and once again, keep your eyes peeled on the Twitter page. However, we do have some bad news. Unfortunately, for our Minnesota Lewins, their 2020 postseason ended back on Monday the 7th in the conference semifinals, losing by a score of 3-2 to the defending champions, the Seattle Sounders. Back on Monday, the Loons actually got off to a strong start for those that didn't watch the game. Thanks to midfielder Emmanuel Reynoso, on a free kick, the Loons would take a 1-0 lead going into halftime. Reynoso would score his free kick goal in the 29th minute. And also in the first half, there were two Seattle Sounders that picked up yellow cards. Within the first 20 minutes of the second half, Bakai Diabasi, sorry, I, I, I said that about five times right today. I don't know why I just butchered it. He picked up a yellow card. But, however, there, only about five minutes later, Debassi would increase the Loons' lead, making it a 2-0 game in favor of the Loons. However, after that, the Sounders decided to mix things up, and they made a couple of subs. After that would happen, they would start to come back as both of their subbed players would go on to score, sending them back to the Western Conference Championship for, nope, sorry, they're going to the MLS, um, they're going to the MLS Cup. This was the Western Conference Finals. I don't know what I was talking about. So Sounders forward Will Bruin would score in the 75th minute to start the comeback, making it a 2-1 to game. Then in the 89th minute, Sounders Raul Rudiez finally got on the board, tying the game 2-2. Two two. Fun fact, again, for those that didn't watch the game, Rudiez actually scored back in the first half to make it a 1-1 to game, but the goal was later called off as they looked at the play and found out he committed a foul first before the act of his goal. Then, in stoppage time, in the 93rd minute, Seattle's Gustav Svensson scored and completed their comeback and sent them to their second straight MLS Cup Finals. On Saturday, the Sounders will face the Columbus Crew Soccer Club in the MLS Cup Finals. Columbus is making their third trip to the MLS Cup Finals and hopes to win their first cup since 2008, while the Sounders will be looking to repeat as champions bringing home their fourth total MLS Cup. So congratulations and good luck to both of those teams, but more importantly, congratulations to the Loons on one hell of a season. It You know, it sucks to go out that way, but, you know, someone has to do it. You know, it sucks that it was a Minnesota team, but 
hopefully we can keep building off this and we can make another deep run next year. Come on, you loons. Coil. Great season, guys. As for the Timberwolves, so earlier this week, the first half of their 2020-2021 schedule was released. So with that, our Timberwolves will open up the regular season on Wednesday, December 23rd at 7 p.m. as they will play host to the Detroit Pistons. After that, they will go on a three-game road trip to end the 2020 calendar year. They will go to the Utah Jazz on the 26th. Then they'll play in Staples Center the next night against the defending champion Lakers on the 27th. And then they'll play the Clippers in Staples Center on the 29th. After that, the Wolves will open up the 2021 calendar year, hosting the Washington Wizards on January 1st. Other than that, notable games in the first half of the season for the Wolves on Monday, January 25th. They will travel to Oakland to play the Golden State Warriors. This will be the first game and first time the number one pick, Anthony Edwards, will take on the number two pick, James Wiseman. The Timberwolves will later host the defending champs in Minneapolis on Tuesday, February 16th. And on Wednesday, March 3rd, the Minnesota Timberwolves will actually close out the first half of their season hosting the Charlotte Hornets which will also be the first time the number three pick, LaMelo Ball, take on the number one pick, Anthony Edwards. So with that, in the next week, the Wolves actually have their first two of three preseason games. They'll play host to the Grizzlies both times this upcoming week, the first one being on Saturday the 12th at 7 p.m., and then they will play the Grizzlies again on Monday the 14th at 7 p.m. So look out for those games. With that, that leads us only with only the Vikings to go. And, wow, my word. Three weeks and three roller coaster games. What the, what the heck are the Vikings uh, doing to us, guys? Aren't the Vikings capable of actually making us not freak out and be worried until the clock actually hits zeros? Um. So I was doing a little research after this game. So at the conclusion of this last Jaguars game, it was actually the Vikings' seventh game this season that was decided by six points or less. So, I mean, that kind of sums up the season thus far. Every every game we've uh, we've had to... We've won. It's It's been a grinded-out game, and it's, it's had to be something that um, came... Down to the last couple uh, plays. Uh, first, before we get into it, first and foremost, um, and go much further, I thought uh, we had a couple big games this last week from guys, so I want to shout them out. First and foremost, yet another huge week from Justin Jefferson. He's he's proven to be not one of the best rookie receivers, but just one of the best receivers in the league. Despite being a rookie, he finished the Jaguars game with nine receptions for 121 yards and a touchdown. This game was already his fifth 100-plus receiving yard game. And I believe he tied Randy Moss. If he gets one more, he'll, he'll have the most 100-plus receiving yard games as a rookie. 
and also this last week, he became one of only five players with 1,000 receiving yards through 12 weeks in the league. And he's actually only the fifth rookie in history with 1,000 receiving yards in a season and only the second Viking. I'm, I'm sure you guys can guess Randy Moss was the only other one to do it. However, that shout-out maybe didn't surprise a lot of you. The second shout-out might. On the other side of the ball, cornerback Cam Dantzler had a great game in his very, very young career. Dantzler finished with four total tackles, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, and an interception. So congratulations to him on a heck of a game. And hopefully he continues to get even better as he gets more snaps under him. One thing I actually saw uh, earlier today, I, I didn't write it down, but he became the first, the first player, not even rookie, just first player in NFL history to force a fumble, recover a fumble, and get an interception in one game. So, man, keep... Keep keep at it, keep at it. That 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 is unbelievable. Um. So with that, yeah, it uh, you know it it sucks that we needed overtime to beat a one in ten team, and we only beat a one in ten team by three points. Uh, but you know a win's a win, and for those true Vikings fans out there, the Vikings always find a way. We just have to be honest with ourselves. We they always find a way to play bad teams close. And beating teams that we shouldn't be beating, that we have no business beating, which also leaves me excited and hopeful for this upcoming week and this upcoming game. But before we get into that, let's talk a little bit more about this last week. First, first of all, I'm not I'm not sure what Zimmer is completely thinking these last couple of games, even though we've been playing okay, especially in the offensive side of things, but He's supposed to be a defensive guy. But we need to start bringing more pressure on QBs down the stretch here. There's four games left. And I'm telling you, we need to make quarterbacks feel uncomfortable. Yes, we did sack Mike Glennon twice last week and we made him throw two interceptions. But he passed for nearly 300 yards, 280 to be exact. And at times, he looked capable of being the starting quarterback because he just had all the time in the world. And let me tell you something. If we give Brady the time that we gave Glennon, their backup quarterback last week, who's, if you really think about it, not to throw shade at Glennon, not to throw shade at Minshew, but Minshew's kind of a backup quarterback. Glennon's more third string. If we do that to Brady, he's just going to tear us apart. I'm not saying we need to be blitzing all the time. But in the last quarter of our season, we need to find a way to create more pressures on the QBs, whether we're blitzing, whether we're doing different things on the line. Um, but bottom line, we need to make quarterbacks um, get uneasy back there so that not only that happens, but that way we give our offense more time on the field. Once again, this last week, Kirk played outstanding. He had another 300-plus yard passing game and three passing touchdown games for him. And um, we have to keep that up. We do. Delvin did his thing again. He got 120 yards on 32 carries and a total of 179 scrimmage yards, which, again, is, is another recipe for success. 
winning big games down the stretch here. Um, so with that, before before we get get into it, why don't we just get into um, uh, you know kind of bold predictions from last week? So with it, um, I want to say last week I said Delvin was going to go off for 125 plus yards and two TDs. That didn't happen. He didn't. He didn't do bad. Um, he didn't do bad rushing wise. He did get a, the 120 r- rushing TDs, uh, rushing yards, but he didn't get any TDs from the get go. It seemed like um, Jacksonville had the mindset of we're going to stop this rushing game, and we'll live and we'll be okay if we lose because Kirk Cousins beats us and not having Dalvin beating us, which. I don't blame him. Delvin is a very explosive back, and if you can take a part of that out of the game, why not? But we were still able to get the job done. Um, and I said it'll be another three-interception game against the Jags. Again, close, but didn't happen. We only came up with two. So with that, similar to this last week, there are going to be some great perks on the line if we do win this game against Tampa. So... Coming into this game, Tampa is seven and five, and they've actually lost three of their last four games. And right now, they are currently in the second wild card spot. And we are six and six right now. So, with that, should we beat the Bucks this week? We would leapfrog them into the second wild card spot because how it works, we would we'd be. Seven and six on the year, they would we'd move up to seven and six, they'd go down to seven and six. And the first tiebreakers always head to head competition. We win that game, boom! So, huge, huge help from the Arizona Cardinals this last week. They lost to the Rams, so we had tied records. And by virtue of having a better common game, um, I'm not sure who in common we've played together but uh that puts us right now we're currently in the last wild card spot which which is huge and knowing that within two weeks we could go from possibly being the eighth ninth seed to the second wild card team that's huge that's huge so lots on the line in this one typically uh the last couple times the vikings have played tom brady it hasn't gone very well i don't remember them being terrible oh my gosh we got blown out games but Tom Brady uh, has usually been able to do what he's wanted to do, on, at least on the offensive side of things, when we've played him in the past. But he's on a new team now, and honestly, I think coming into this game, the Vikings want it just a little more than the Tampa Bay Bucks. Um, you know, I think I think Tampa Bay's been on a little bit of a losing skid, and, uh, you know, we've been on a hot streak. We've won five of our last six. And like I said, we know Tampa's lost three of their last four. So with that cognitive thinking, we think, okay, you know, both teams are kind of, you know, one team, you know, should be on the rise hoping to continue and one team's pissed off and wants to change it. But honestly, I, oh, not another thing to mention, not only that, but in the last four games as well, Brady's been picked off seven times. So, um, you know, I just think the... um, Oh, so going back to what I was talking about earlier, if we can bring pressure on and disrupt Brady early and often in this game, I think we should be able to win this game. 
Um, and with that, I just, like, don't get me wrong, saying we need to get pressure on Brady and disrupt him early and often, that doesn't mean he's going to be on his heels the entire game. He's Tom Brady. That doesn't happen. But a quarterback with him, you get him in that kind of a groove, and he just plays a little differently than when he's comfortable. Uh, so with that, bold prediction time. I think it'll be another Thielen game this upcoming day. I think he'll have another big game like he did against the Bears a couple weeks back. I think he goes off for another two touchdowns in this game. And on the defensive side of the ball, hot take, I um, I think we're going to shut the Bucks out in the first half. I, I'm i not saying it's going to be very lopsided at halftime, but I think we're going to shut them out in the first half. With that, I have the Vikings winning this game 31 221. Yes, that's right. I know in my preseason game by game, I said we'd lose this game, but I just, I don't know. I have a feeling about this game, and I think not only are the Bucks, I think not only are they 6.5 favorites going into this game, but going back to my point earlier when we were talking about the game, I think the Vikings are rolling right now, and they have a bit of a chip on their shoulder, and I think they're going to want it a little more because despite how well we've been playing lately, this Vikings team is looking at the standings and they're seeing they're a 6-6 six and six team right now. And I think they're pissed off about that and they have a little chip on their shoulder because they think if two or three things could have gone right in those first four weeks, they could easily be sitting here as a 9-3, and 8-4 and four team. So I think they got a chip on their shoulder. I think they would. So with that, for the last week of pickums, I did okay. I didn't match my 13 weeks from two weeks ago. But I did better than I usually do. I got 10 right. So got to keep trucking, though. On to the bets. For my first sure thing this week, I'm going to take the Houston Texans over the Bears. Right now, the Texans have showed enough to be favored on the road against a team with a superior record. However, that might be more to the Bucks or the Bears' six-game losing streak than to the less-than-stellar Texas offense. But nonetheless, the Bears... I don't think uh, they can get anything going for them, and I just don't see it getting better anytime soon. Plus, I think Deshaun Watson is too good for his 4-8 record, and between his dual-threat game, I think he'll find ways to carve up that stingy Bears defense and get the job done. For my upset this week, I'm going to go with the Patriots over the LA Rams tonight. The Pats are on a 4-1 to run right now in their last five games which has them right back in the hunt for the AFC playoffs, and Belichick and Newton can just smell them. Also, I think the Rams right now are pretty safe in the postseason hunt and a little, um, you know, let's not rock the boat. Um, and they don't come into this game as desperate, and I think that's one thing that is in the Pats' favorite. One thing I didn't also actually realize until earlier this week is that New England actually stayed in L.A. after beating the Chargers 45 to nothing this last week to minimize our travel at normal disadvantage from row teams just playing on a Thursday night football. Don't get me wrong, both defenses are coming into this game strong, but I just think the Rams, to me, have struggled this year to contain mobile quarterbacks such as Josh Allen and Kyler Murray. So I think with that, you enter him, and he's got even a bigger threat to the run game than his arm as he has his 11 rushing touchdowns this season. So that mixed with Bilicek's ability to always find ways with mess quarterbacks on the defensive side, uh, I think it gives the Pats the upper hand in this one for me. So with that, 
Remember, this podcast is about you guys, the listeners. If you guys have a topic you want me to address or a question you want me to answer, please reach out on Twitter or by emailing us. Twitter handle is at miniweekend and email is miniweekend at gmail.com. That's M-I-N-N-Y-W-E-E-K-E-N-D at gmail.com. Same spelling for Twitter. And feel free to give us a follow on Twitter as well. Also, make sure you subscribe to my podcast on your podcast listening sites for updates. And if you like the podcast, give it five stars. And if you don't, we'll just keep listening until you would give it five stars then. (laughs) Till next week, Minnie.